Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Peter writes, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep, keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is the word of the Lord. The Apostle Peter, in the preceding section, flowing into this section, has challenged his Christian audience to reflect Christ-likeness in relation to the government, in relation to employers, uh, in relation to uh, non-Christian husbands, and in relation to wives. And now he broadens his challenge to include every Christian in every circumstance. He begins by giving us five characteristics that should be true of each person that follows Jesus. He then challenges us to trade blessing for suffering. Let's let's first look at the five characteristics that should be true of each of us that follow Jesus. And here we have five characteristics that function like five fingers on the hand of blessing. So before I define each of them, I want you to notice a pattern that Peter uses in this passage as he lists these characteristics. The first and the fifth characteristic deal with our thinking. Peter says that we should be unified. We should have unity of mind. And then the fifth characteristic, he says that we should have a humble mind. And then the second and the fourth characteristic go together and they describe our feelings towards one another. We should be sympathetic. We should be compassionate or tender-hearted. And the third one, which is the center of all the characteristics, is love. We should have a love for one another. So first we see that Peter says that all Christians should have unity of mind, or be of one mind, or be like-minded. And this means that although many of us have different opinions and personal preferences, there is one truth that unites our minds together. And that truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope hope that you see that if anything becomes more important to you than the gospel, then you become divisive. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must have unity of mind, sameness of thought as it relates to the gospel and what the gospel is and what it means for us. Second, Peter says we ought to be sympathetic. So not only should we have the same mind, but we also should be ready to have the same feelings with one another. Meaning that we should know one another well enough to be able to sympathize with them as they walk through the happy and the sad times of life. One scholar said sympathy means readiness 
to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Just being ready and willing to enter into the feelings of others. Third, Peter says we ought to possess brotherly love. And this is a commitment to the betterment of someone else to the glory of God. It's being committed to that. It's a bond of love that's not easily broken. You know, just think about how many arguments you've had over the course of your life within your family. You know, how many hurtful things that were said if you were to play all those back. And yet even still, many of us still have a a deep love for our brothers and sisters, our parents, our children. Even though all that happened, there's there's a deep love there. And I see this even with my own children. You know, some, there are moments that my children don't even want to be in the same room as each other. And yet, just a few moments later, they're best friends. You know, there's just a deep sibling love that occurs within many families. And what Peter's saying here is that as Christians, we should have a, a brotherly love towards one another. We should have a deep love towards the betterment of one another that should not easily be cut down. Fourth, Peter says that we should be tender-hearted or compassionate. And the root word here literally means your insides, your internal, your internal organs, you know, the seat of the emotions. And whereas sympathy is the readiness to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, compassion is the ability to actually feel the feelings of others. You know, if you've ever talked to uh, someone who is an identical twin, you probably asked them this question, or maybe you wanted to. You may have said, you know, okay, if you get hurt, does your twin feel it? You know, it's just, and the reason we ask that is because identical twins are so much alike, we just think maybe there's some connection there that, is beyond anything I've experienced because I don't have an identical twin. So I'm just curious, how does that work out? Is there anything that deep that's present there? Well, as Christians, what Peter's saying is, yes, there is a deep connection here. There is a very deep connection through our union with Christ that actually enables us not only to sympathize with one another, but also be able to enter the lives of each other and experience their experience to some degree, or at least be willing to, to walk alongside them and be with them as they weep, as they rejoice, as they mourn, as they celebrate. Fifthly, Peter says we should be humble. So we should both be unified in our minds about the gospel, but also we should be humble in our thinking. You know, Frederick Nietzsche scorned this virtue. He said that the Jews were a people born for slavery, and accused them of inverting values by making the word poor synonymous with saint and friend. This whole idea of humility. The whole idea of putting others' interests above your own. You know, he, he didn't see that as being very virtuous. But humility doesn't mean to have a, a poor self-concept. It doesn't mean thinking you know, that you're no good. But rather, it is a willingness to take the lower place. It's a willingness to do the less exalted service and to put the interest of others above your own interest. That's what it means to be humble. 
And so the apostle tells us that these five characteristics should be growing and blossoming in the life of the person who has faith in Jesus Christ, who has been born again, who has been given this new life in Christ. These are the things that you should be seeing in your life. These are like five fingers on the hand of a life that blesses others. These are the things that you should be seeing and experiencing. Now, before we go further and talk about how countercultural this is and how it works itself out, I want to share with you part of a story by Victor Hugo entitled Les Miserables. Now, many of you have heard a good bit about this story because it's recently been made into a, a wonderful film. But one of the main characters in this in this story is a man named Jean Valjean. Now Jean Valjean stole a loaf of bread to feed his starving sister and her child, and he was caught doing it. And so he was thrown in prison, and he served 19 years in prison. Now once he was released, he realized that as a former convict, he was going to be unable really to rebuild his life. It was very unlikely through different circumstances that he experienced. And soon after his release, he sought out food and shelter. And finally, he was taken in by the local town bishop. And yet, in the middle of the night, Jean Valjean awakes and decides to steal the bishop's silver. And so he puts it in his knapsack and makes a run for it. And now let's pick up the story. I want to pick up the story in... Victor Hugo's words. He says, The door opened. A singular and violent group made its appearance on the threshold. Three men were holding a fourth man by the collar. The three men were policemen, and the other was Jean Valjean. A brigadier of the policemen who seemed to be in command of the group was standing near the door, and he entered and advanced to the bishop, making a military salute. Your Highness, said he, At this word, Jean Valjean, who was dejected and seemed overwhelmed, raised his head with an air of stupefaction. Your Highness, he murmured, so he is not the cure. Silence, said the policeman. He is, Your Highness, the bishop. In the meantime, the bishop had advanced as quickly as as his age had permitted. Now let me stop there. I I want you to put yourself in the bishop's shoes. The only things of value that you possess are these silver utensils and two silver candlesticks. And a thief has taken advantage of your kindness and he has stolen your silverware and he has been caught and he has been brought to you. And now the question is, how would you respond to that? What would you do? Well, as you ponder that question, Let me read to you what Peter challenges us to in verse 9. He writes, Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling, which means abusive speech, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. So You see, as as followers of Christ, our response to both those who treat us well as well as those who do not treat us very well should be consistent with the gospel. 
Jesus is our example. The gospel is our blueprint. The gospel is the language that we respond with as Christians. And notice that Peter tells us two things here. First of all, he tells us, no matter what happens to us, we should never respond with evil or abusive speech. But then he goes further, doesn't he? He says, not only that, not only should you not respond with evil and abusive speech, but you actually should bless the person who is doing evil to you. Now that sounds somewhat familiar, doesn't it? Because what Peter's doing here is he is simply reiterating what Jesus had taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. This is what Jesus said. He says, You heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the good and the evil, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who loved you, or if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What this means is, as participants of grace, if we have participated in the grace that comes through Christ, then we can actually trade blessing for suffering. We can actually absorb suffering and respond with blessing. Even, we can even bless the person who is the one causing the suffering. Now you may be saying to yourself, uh, you know, Ron, I don't, I don't know if I would be able to absorb suffering, much less turn around and bless the person. You know, I'd be doing good just to keep my mouth shut you know, in a situation like that. Well, think of it like this. This may help. Imagine if you were uh, learning a language. Okay, what would you do first? Well, what you would probably do first is you would probably memorize uh, some vocabulary words, you know, some important phrases. And then as you continue to do that, you would begin to learn verbs and sentence, sentence structure. But then the time will come when your teacher, let's say you're learning Spanish, and your Spanish teacher says, okay, today in class, when you come to class, you're, you're not going to be allowed to speak English. You have to speak Spanish. So when I call on you, you're going to have to speak Spanish. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to pick an object in this room and I want you to describe it in Spanish. So you look around, and you're looking around for something very easy to describe, right? And you look down, and you see your Spanish book on your desk, and it's blue. And you think, okay, I think I, think I, can, explain, I, think I can explain and describe the book. And so you choose your book, you see your book is blue, and you think to yourself, okay, what is the Spanish word for book? Okay, got that. And then you say, okay, what is the Spanish word for blue? And then your professor calls on you and you say, el libro es azul. And then you sit down quickly. Because you don't want to go any further than that, right? But now imagine though, you lived in a Spanish-speaking country for 20 years. 
I mean, how much better would you be able to describe that book? Well, you'd be able to do it much better. Why? Because you become fluent. You just, you know the language. And the difference is, when you were in that classroom as a beginner, what you would have to do is you, were, you take this object, the book, and you say in your mind, it's a book. And then you'd have to translate the English word book to the Spanish word for book. You know, you'd have to make that shift in your mind, and then you would say it. Right? But if you've lived in the country for 20 years, you no longer have to do that because you begin to think in Spanish. You begin to think in the native tongue. And so it just comes just like that. You don't have to translate it in your mind. You just speak it as you see it because you become so fluent with the language. And see, some of you, perhaps you, are rec- you have recently come to Christ. And you say, you know, Ron... I get in these situations and I, I really want to reflect Christ. I want to put Christ on display. I want to be like Christ when I respond. But oftentimes I just mess up because I, I'm, I get in the moment and I'm trying to think and I'm trying to figure out what would Christ have me do in the moment and it takes me so long. Well, what you're doing is you're translating. You're just translating. You're saying, this is how I used to do that, but now that I know Christ... How would He want me to do that? And it takes some time. And that's okay. But some of you, some of you have been walking with the Lord for a long time. And you've become more fluent in the gospel language. As you have meditated on the gospel and considered over and over and over what God has done for you. And so as things happen to you, good things, bad things, whatever they may be, it, it's, it's, almost, it's, it's almost as if it has become instinctual almost, that you respond with the gospel language because you have become more fluent. Now that doesn't mean you never make mistakes. I mean, that doesn't mean we lose some things in translation every now and then. But what I am saying is, the more that we understand who Christ is and what He's done for us, the more fluent we become in the language of the gospel. And what I mean by that is, we begin to speak and act as if Christ Himself were speaking and acting. Christ-likeness. He's put on, display. He's put on display unity, sympathy, love, compassion, humility. It's put on display because we've become fluent in the gospel. So the more we grow in Christ and in our understanding of what God has done for us, the more fluent we will become in our blessing of others, even those who do not seek to bless us. Now with that said, how is the bishop going to respond now that this thief has been caught and brought to him? What is he going to do? Well, he says, the bishop says, Ah, here you are, he exclaimed, looking at Jean Valjean. I'm glad to see you. Well, but how is this? I gave you the candlesticks too, which are of silver like the rest, and for which you can certainly give 200 francs. Why did you not carry them away with your forks and spoons? Jean Valjean opened his eyes wide 
and stared at the venerable bishop with an expression which no human tongue can render any account of. Your Highness said the brigadier of the policeman, so, so what this man said is true then? You know, we came across him. He was walking like a man who was running away. We stopped him to look into the matter. He had this silver, and he told you, interposed the bishop with a smile, that it had been given to him by a kind old fellow of a priest with whom he had passed the night. I see how the matter stands. And you have brought him back here? It is a mistake. In that case, replied the brigadier, we can let him go? Certainly, replied the bishop. The policeman released Jean Valjean, who recoiled. Is it true I am being released, he said, in an almost inarticulate voice, as though he were taking, as though he were talking in his sleep? Yes, thou art released. Dost thou not understand, said one of the policemen. My friend, resumed the bishop, before you go, here are your candlesticks. Take them. He stepped to the chimney piece, took the two silver candlesticks and brought them to Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean was trembling in every limb. He took the two candlesticks mechanically and with a bewildered air. Now, said the bishop, go in peace. By the way, when you return, my friend, it is not necessary to pass through the garden. You can always enter and depart through the street door. It is never fastened with anything but a latch, either by day or by night. You see, the bishop was fluent in the gospel language, in trading blessing for suffering. So, how's your fluency? You know, are you part of a community of believers that rehearses with you over and over the truths of the gospel so that you can become more and more fluent? You see, we would never learn the language of the gospel if we have never experienced its power. Before you can respond like Jesus, you must first be united with Jesus through faith. You must turn from you know, trying to build your life apart from Christ to allowing God to build Jesus' life in you. And the only way to do that, and the only way that's accomplished, is by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God, we come to you this morning desiring to become more fluent. Lord, we want to put you on display to the world. Whether we are treated well or we are treated unjustly. May our response be translated by the truth of the gospel. May Christ be our example. And God, may you work his life out in and through us so that the world may know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And we trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.